thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome along to Football Digest uh, for the Women's World Cup, the latest from Australia and New Zealand. I'm the key to I'm joined today by Laura Hartley as we look ahead to England's final group stage game uh, against China. Uh, Laura, before we get into it, um, of course, we're recording this Monday morning. Um, so in terms of matches, I think there, there's even games going on, isn't there, whilst we are recording this. So, of course, we're going to keep up to date with all the latest uh, from the Women's World Cup. And of course, you can uh, look on the Daily Mirror's website and you'll find plenty there. Um, and as well, we thought Serena Vigman would have spoken by the time that we started recording this. But again, uh, she uh, there, there was delays in Australia, unfortunately, for the England team. Uh, again, we, we think they're towards the end of it, just as we're recording this. So we might be uh, joined by our uh, Chief Women's Football reporter, Jack Lacey Atten, who's, of course, in Australia uh, for the tournament and in Adelaide ahead of uh, England's game against China. So hopefully Jack will join us later on. But again, uh, for all the latest from that, you can keep up to date with it on the Mirror's website. But talking about the game on the whole, Laura, um, the one big talking point going into it is, of course, Kira Walsh's injury. There were fears after the win over Denmark on Friday when she went off, uh, was stretched off in the first half of that game with a serious looking knee injury, that, that this could be the end of her tournament. Thankfully, it seems a little bit more positive. It's, it's not a, a ruptured ACL, which we've seen that injury. Plenty of, uh, plenty of women players have unfortunately suffered that in the build-up to this tournament as well. Um, but in terms of the injury, again, we're not sure at the time of recording uh, how serious it is. We do know, though, that she won't be playing against China. And that's a big blow for England to try and feel. She was so crucial in that run to the Euros. And again, we're recording this on a year rather exactly uh, from that final uh, victory over Germany. She was a crucial part of that team. And, it, and it's going to be a big blow for England against China. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look at the timings that we've got for recording on, on the day. We've got the one-year anniversary of the Euros. Um, she was really, really crucial to that. And I think it was Ellen White that obviously who was a massive part of, of, of that tournament as well. I think she was saying actually in, in the coverage during the Denmark game that there was no plan B, which is really scary um, to think of no plan B because Kira is so vital to that role. And obviously we see her pair up so well with 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 Stanway and there's a couple of others that she can pair up really well with and I just she's going to be missed so much and I think one of the I think one of the main people that can step in her place for me is Katie Zellum. Um, you know she's making her World Cup debut by going even going out to Australia. She's had a fantastic season for United. Um, under Mark Skinner and she's she's played a vital role in that obviously United came so close to winning the league before they were picked by Chelsea and she's played a fantastic part in that role um, and obviously if Russo is played up front like she was the other day she's played with Russo at United and I think she could be a really good shout to hopefully be put in in, in Walsh's place but it's a scary thought even still, I mean, as we as we literally are recording, Ned, as you said, the the press conference has just been ongoing, and hopefully Jack can allude if there has been anything. But England have been quite cages to actually how serious this is. 
um, this injury. And it's obviously it's really good news that it's not a ruptured ACL like we've seen. Obviously, Leah Williamson's out with it. Beth Mead is still out with it. She's really close to recovery. She didn't quite make the tournament. So many huge stars from the World Cup are, are, are missing their key players because of ruptured ACLs. And it is a huge problem in the women's game. And it's thankful it's not that. But the fact that there's been this unknown where, what, four days, three, four days after the game and we still don't really know a lot. Normally you would get an idea of of that. So, um, yeah, a little bit a little bit strange as to the mystery, shall we say, surrounding how serious it is and whether we'll even see it for, for any of the rest of the tournament. As we did touch on at the start of the show, we said that we would be joined by Jack once uh, Serena Vigman's press conference has finished. Uh, and lo and behold, it has. Um, and of course, already I was speaking about the mystery surrounding this injury with Kira Walsh and, and the fact that we don't know the severity of it yet. Uh, Jack, is there any light that you can shine on this? Any other talking points as well from uh, from Serena's press conference ahead of the game against China? Hi, both. Yeah, apologies for my uh, my lateness. Um, yeah, and also, sadly, no no real um, further detail on the nature of Kira Walsh's injury. I mean, as you can imagine, it was the first question that uh, Serena Vigman was hit with tonight, and, and multiple times, I think people were trying to try to delve a little deeper into into what precisely Kira Walsh has done and. And whether there is any hope, we can we can potentially see her again in this tournament. Um, but but Serena uh, said that the, the team are fully focused on this game tomorrow against China. Um, the only update to give is that Kira Walsh isn't here. She's not travelled with the team to Adelaide. Um, she's back in the base, uh, back up in in Terragal, um, at the team's base camp, and will remain there for the next few days as she works on her recovery. So. Yeah, no, no, no further real detail yet um, from England on, on just how serious this is. But I think, like, like I heard Laura say that it's you know the, we do need to be still positive that it's not an ACL. Hopefully, if, if she can can somehow sort of get back to to at least somewhere near match fit um, over the next week or so, then that then that would give her a great chance of of playing again in this tournament um, because we're we're obviously England are in a great position to at least be in the knockouts about bowing something going pretty drastically wrong tomorrow um so there's yeah there's there's still hope i think that's the main message from the from the uh, press conference tonight that that she could play again um she's not been ruled out for for any sort of specific length of time and in terms of a wider point around the rest of the team was there any other hints at other team news uh from serena in the press conferences hopefully everyone uh, aside from kira fit and well and, and did she hint at any potential changes too Yep, yep. Everyone else is is fit and well, which is yeah, definitely good news because I think I said before this tournament, England couldn't really afford uh, any further injuries. Obviously, sadly, they have now picked up another injury. I think any more would be would leave them really short, particularly uh, you know in defence or, or also in in defensive midfield now. Um, but yeah, so not not too much given away. I have to say, um, she always keeps a, a team selection cards very close to her chest, but. Um, yeah, everyone else is available, and I suppose it's the big question is who who now partners uh, Georgia Stanway, or will we see Georgia Stanway deployed in the sort of deeper playmaking role, um, sort of taking over from Kira Walsh as she, as she did against Denmark? Um, I, I, it was hard to judge just from that, to be honest, whether Serena will just just stick with that system that that worked against Denmark, or whether we see perhaps Katie Zellum come in. Um, uh, and sort of alongside Georgia Stanway, perhaps as, as two sort of number six midfielders, um, and then maybe Ella Toon pushed a bit further forward. Um, Georgia Stanway, I should say, was also in that press conference. Um, 
and was in was in fine form. She says that um, she's she's talking to Kira. She was asked whether Kira would would give her any tips um, on playing in that deeper role ahead of the the rest of the, the tomorrow's game. Um, and Georgia said, "I speak with Kira nearly twenty four seven, but um, only about ten percent of it's about football." So, uh, but I'm I'm sure um, Kira will pass on some some tips on how to run the show in midfield. Not that you know, and, and Georgia Samway is a very experienced and, and capable player in her own right as well, um, as we've seen this season. So, so yeah, uh, everything else I'd say for England feels reasonably positive going into this game tomorrow night. Um, but as, as we talked about after the Denmark game, we've said it. They need a big performance now. I feel. I feel they need something just to, particularly with with some of the other results in this tournament that we've seen over the last few days. Some of the other big sides struggling. It feels really open. So if England can can lay a marker down tomorrow night um, against against China, then I think they'll be in a really strong position. Look, one player who may have to deliver a performance herself uh, against China is is Alessia Russo, uh, leading the line for England. Um, tasked with that job, obviously no Adam White in this tournament because of uh, retirement, and again doing a great job on, on BBC uh, on BBC's coverage whilst juggling uh, being a, a new mother as well. To I think is it twelve week old baby? She was saying the other day on on the on the uh, BBC coverage of the win over Denmark. But Russo, no goals so far. Um, you look at Beth England even coming off the bench on uh, uh, against Denmark and, and kind of looking quite lively um, as well. We've seen this in, in countless tournaments before, and even Ellen White, you know, she didn't have the greatest of, of tournaments last summer. I think she'd probably agree with that as she's listening along as well, bless her. But, you know, didn't have the greatest of tournaments for England unless they won the Euros, but that didn't seem to be an issue. So, of course, there is that other side to it that Russo can keep doing the other stuff around it. It doesn't have to get the goals, but for her own confidence level, and again, to stop all these questions coming about her place in the team, a couple of goals wouldn't, wouldn't go amiss, would they? No, they definitely wouldn't. I think for the whole team's sake and, and Alessia Russo's sake, and, you know, even even as we take a step back from even just scoring a goal, I'm not seeing as many of those chances created by Russo that I know and we all know that, that she can create. Um, and going forward, you know, and this morning, Monday morning, I've seen countless replays of that back heel now that we're on the one-year anniversary of the Euros. And we're not really seeing much of that quality. With all due respect to, to Russo, I definitely couldn't play at her probably 10% of quality. But we're not quite seeing that level. And it just makes you wonder, should Beth England get that start tomorrow? I think think she should Beth England is hungry for it um you know she hasn't been picked by Serena for the last couple of of camps and she's she's worked so hard at Spurs since her move and she's proved that she can not only get the goals but she can perform she can make the chances she can get in the spaces she can lead the team forward and I at the minute comparing the two you know we've we've seen a flash of that from from England as, as she came on as a sub and we haven't seen that in Russo's starts at all. And I just think, I know um, Serena Vigman doesn't really like to change things up unless she really, really has to. But is this a point where we really, really have to? As Jack said, we need to keep scoring these goals. You know, Japan thrashed Spain 4-0. We can't afford to get caught out by some of these bigger teams who are even getting caught out by by others. We've, Spain hasn't seen a defeat like that in 11 years, I think it is. God knows what can happen with this tournament and I just don't think we can take any risks. Um, I'd 100% put, put Beth England in, in place from what we've seen. Um, 
and maybe bench Russo um, unless we start seeing those flashes of even a percentage of what we did last summer. Jack, just on the game itself as a more wider point, of course, there is still a teeny tiny little bit of England uh, work for England to do to reach the knockout stages. Um, a point will guarantee it. Of course, they could still progress, um, but we're starting to get into mathematics and, and I don't want to put my uh, A-level teacher to shame here trying to work out the permutations behind it. But in simple terms, all England have to do is, is avoid defeat tomorrow. Not, not only will they see them through, we'll see them through as group winners as well. Of course, they want to put in a good performance. And the worst thing is, and we've seen this countless times before in tournament football, that if you play for a draw, it doesn't normally end well and you don't normally get the result that you want from it. So England have to be mindful of that, of, of, and I'm sure they won't be playing for a draw. And as Laura said there, are we looking to try and go out and perform much better than they have done so far in both the wins over Haiti and Denmark? Brilliant to win. And I suppose it's a brilliant position to be in as well that there is still work to do having won. But we're still waiting to see perhaps England deliver the performance that we're expecting from them in this tournament. Yeah, completely. I think I think that and I think that's a fair assessment. I mean so that I don't want to repeat myself. I think I said something similar after the, the Denmark game, which was that no disrespect to this group and, and I think Haiti have surprised everyone with how capable and, and athletic they are. Um they're a really well organized side. But England are European champions and the manner in which they won that title last summer and the teams they've beaten in the interim period since as well, you would expect England to come throughout this group, top of it, with nine nine points from nine. Um, and I'd say winning at least one of those games convincingly. Now, they've obviously still got a chance to do that. And I think if they, if they win comfortably tomorrow night and play well for the majority of the 90 minutes, uh, fans, pundits, everyone else will forget the majority of those first two games um, because that's, that's just the way it works, isn't it, in, in tournament football. Um, in terms of the, I don't, I don't think the the permutation of of only needing a draw will derail England or, or affect their mindset in any way. In fact, um, our colleague at the Mirror, Neil Moxley, asked that towards the end of the press conference just then, saying that um, we'll, we'll basically ask Serena just that: we'll, will is, is your mindset altered at all by by only needing a draw? And she was very short, very to the point, and said, "No, it will not. It will not change whatsoever." And she answered with the sort of the clarity and authority that means, yeah, I, I certainly, I, I left believing in myself. I don't think England will at all be uh, thinking about just just playing for a draw or only needing a point tomorrow night. I think they'll, they, they'll want to go out and put on a statement because they are the European champions. We've not seen the best of them in these first two games. And if they do, they could still, you know, they could win 1-0 tomorrow night and it could be a very similar game to the two we've seen already. But... I think you need to be entering the knockout stage with a, with a little bit more momentum on your side um, if, if you're serious about winning the tournament. Also, I would add that um, before this, before the finals began, I, I sort of thought, well, this is the group stage. Group A looks quite interesting. Group B looks quite interesting. The other groups, I think most people could predict who's going to go through. They'll take care of themselves and then it'll really start to heat up um, in the knockout stage. But how pleased I am to have been proven completely wrong on that because... Almost every group has thrown up something interesting, a, a surprise result, a breakout performance of a player or a team. I mean, in England's group, all four teams could still, mathematically at this stage, could all qualify tomorrow night. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. I, I know you asked me last last time, Ned, um, oh, perhaps we, are we overthinking this? Do, you know, does it really matter that we're not seeing them hit peak form in the group stage? Um, but for me, I, I think 
there's, there's they've got a real opportunity uh, here tomorrow in Adelaide to, to 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 like I say lay a marker down um, and put the rest of the the other nations on on note really. Yeah, just be thankful that rather than a kind of hazy Denmark and China potentially will be in Lebanon on three points, which again would mean that England are straight through. So that'd be a good a good thing anyway. But yeah, we we could end up. I don't know if we can get the situation of drawing lots at the Women's World Cup as well, deciding you know drawing straws and, and everything else to decide that one. Because yeah, I think there's every chance again, as Jack said there, that you know Haiti have shown that they're no uh, pushovers so far, and you know I think all they need is a one 0 win uh, against, and then that becomes a, a very very uh, interesting problem to solve in terms of who progresses there. Um, but Laura, just on a wider point again about this tournament and what Jack was saying there about how it's proven to be extremely competitive. This is the biggest women's World Cup ever. The first time that it is has been expanded to 32 teams. And I suppose kind of, you know, you think back to 2019, of course, there was that that huge victory for the USA in the group stages. And there was probably fears about that going into this tournament, that we might see more games like that. And and it's, you know, as Jack said there, it's been the complete opposite. We've had phenomenal tight games. You know, you, you look at, um, and we'll come on to New Zealand a little bit later on, but in terms of that game, New Zealand beating Norway and then going on to lose to the Philippines who then lost to Norway. That little whole circle there, isn't it? It, it just proves it. Anyone can beat anyone. And we've seen that in this tournament. And this is, a, a, it feels like a really good step forward for the women's game on the whole in general that we are seeing such a tight competitive competition. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, I think a lot of people expected massive things from the US, like you said. And, you know, literally just on Thursday, we had a, a replay of, of the the final and it was one one, and it's like you, you you would normally expect the USA to just go out and thrash every single team that they play. I think the thing to consider as well with with this tournament is not only is it completely expanded, we've got debut teams who, like Haiti, who are obviously one of eight debut teams. We should never underestimate them, and that point is being proven because they have a point to prove. They they have something to say on this world stage to say, you know, this is, yes, this is our very first Women's World Cup in history, but we're going to go for it. And, you know, I think one of the best things that I've seen actually this tournament is the way that Zambia um, have arrived for every single match. And they just, they they play, they arrive with so much joy and you can tell that they are there for absolutely, they're putting their heart and soul into everything and that comes out on the pitch and, you know, I think we're very much seeing that with these with these group games and Zambia won, although that they're out, you know, this this morning, they, they won 3-1 against Costa Rica. So as of Monday morning, Yes, they're out, but they put they scored their first ever goal in Women's World Cup history for them, and they won their first ever tournament. Like this, this tournament is massive for so many teams, and like you mentioned, for that full circle, we saw Norway go from bottom of the table to then absolutely thrashing the Philippines six nil, and now they qualify. It's just mad. You would not have like the mathematics on it. It, it can be slightly concerning for England. <laughs> it was it was hoping we don't have to pick those straws, but it, it the mathematically it's absolutely insane. There are so many changes, and we're at the stage now the very last group games, 
that we can see exactly something like that happen where Norway go from bottom all the way up to qualifying, which unfortunately did see New Zealand exit the tournament as co-hosts. Yeah, Jack, just to come on to New Zealand a little bit further, and we spoke about this on, on Friday, show, and I know you're based out in Australia for it, um, but the fact that uh, one of the co-hosts at least have gone out in the group stages, so as we said there, um, you know, even despite drawing with, with Switzerland, the fact that Norway were able to put six past Philippines means that in terms of goal difference in that group, that, that kind of sees them into um, into the knockout stages at the expense of New Zealand. But that is, it, it's a blow and a disappointment, isn't it? And especially because of the scenes that we saw after the opening win for New Zealand against Norway of all teams as well. And the elation and the jubilation that we saw in the scenes around it, that you kind of thought if they could go far in this tournament, that it could be a real carnival. And I'm sure it still will be, and I'm sure there'll be great atmospheres at the games, but you kind of always feel that no matter the competition, once the hosts go out, and especially if it is as early in the group stages, it kind of loses perhaps a little bit of the shine that it has and everyone's buzz around it kind of it goes a little bit, at least for a few days, probably before the games start returning then and they can start focusing on, on, on the other things as well, the other matches. But it is a shame, isn't it, on the whole, that, that one of the co-hosts are out at the time of recording. Uh, again, we are doing this Monday morning, so there's every chance by the time you're listening, this it could be two. Both co-hosts could be out, but we'll talk about New Zealand being a definite right now. Yeah, it's, I think it is a shame. Though, that you, you sort of There was the example as well, isn't there, that we all think back to it, it on the men's side, admittedly, but of um, South Africa in 2010, I think that really had a sort of, it was difficult once the host nation went out because... It was they were such a part of it that hosting a World Cup in that part of the world for the first time. This is obviously the first time um, Australia and New Zealand have hosted either a, a men's or a women's World Cup senior tournament. So I think they, I think them doing well would have would have really just just given it that extra layer. These are two sport loving nations anyway. So I think yeah, it'll, it'll they'll still get into they'll, the the games will still be well attended. Um, the, the coverage out here, I have to say, has been absolutely superb. And and believe me, that it's not like there's no other sport going on at the moment um, relative to certainly to Australia. And I think it's the same with New Zealand as well. So the fact that the Women's World Cup is still front and centre um, at every, every city I've visited so far, I think speaks volumes about where, where the countries want to see this tournament. Um, on the pitch, though, you can't, you know, you can you can only take so much from from home support and home advantage, and I think it was always going to be difficult for, for New Zealand to get out of that group. I think that the, the reason they'll be it'll be even more heartbreaking, I think, or or even sort of torturous looking back on is the fact that they won that game against Norway. They put themselves in a fantastic position to go through that group, and then they're playing Philippines, who. You would expect them to win that match, whatever the scoreline had been against Norway in the first game. You would expect New Zealand to beat Philippines. Fair play to the, the Philippines that they dug in superbly in that game, and, and I think from what I saw, were fully deserved winners. Um, but it, it just left them with uh, it just left New Zealand with a little bit too much to do. And I think in the end, probably the best two teams have have left that group and have qualified, albeit it's taken Norway sort of two games to to even. To, to warm up really um, with the, the attacking talent that they've got, you know, Caroline Graham Hansen, Frida Marnham, um, uh, Guru Raitan, probably there's two of the best players in the WSL last season. Um, the, Arda Hedeberg wasn't even part of the team last night um, either. So it's, it's yeah, they, they with the attacking quality that they've got, they should they should have got through that group. And I think Switzerland as well would probably have targeted that and, and, and thought, yeah, we, sh- we should be getting to the knockout stages based on the teams in there. But, you know, we'll, like you say, World Cups are also about special um, individual moments. 
I think we saw one last night with the Columbia Germany game. You know the, that fantastic moment um, at full time where where Columbia had pulled off perhaps the best upset there's ever been in a women's World Cup, or certainly up there. And then it was the same for New Zealand on that opening night. You know that was a huge moment after what had happened in the country earlier on in the day. Um, that yeah, that was that all whatever whatever the the outcome was of that group, the New Zealand team. Uh, and New Zealand as a, as a sort of a football nation can can always hold on to that moment, I think. Talking about special uh, individual moments, um, a, a, a huge bit of history as well since we last recorded the podcast uh, at the Women's World Cup over the weekend. Uh, Morocco's Nihaila Benzina becoming the first woman Laura to wear a hijab at the World Cup. And, and we talked about how much, you know, this this tournament has meant and, and growing the game and, and how brilliant it is that there's more teams in it as well. But to see moments like this as well, for individuals to see moments like this, again, it kind of adds that other dimension, that other aspect of of kind of growing the game, doesn't it? Really, to, to you know, there'll be girls in a similar situation that that you know, growing up in a, in you know, wearing hijabs, that will see the hala and see that it is grand. You can wear these whilst you play games, and it will serve as an inspiration to them. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we we did see her warming up in in the very first Morocco group game. Um, but unfortunately, she didn't actually come on come on the pitch to play any minutes in in the full game. Um, but even just at that point, before we look at their game over the weekend, just seeing her warming up, training beforehand, there's so much visibility and there's so much for little girls to look up to, like you say. And there have been so many conversations. Um, in England about, you know, the Lionesses playing such a huge role now as an inspiration for inspiring the next generation. And there are countries across the world doing it in their own ways, in their own religions, in their own cultures. And I think what we've seen over the weekend is is incredible. And I don't actually think them, them, there are any words to describe it because, you know, it was authorised, wearing head coverings was authorised by FIFA in 2014 so we're nearly 10 years on from when it was first first agreed and it was okay and Morocco are one of eight teams making their debut but to have Benzina come on as a substitute wearing a hijab is something incredible she's the very first player to wear a hijab at a senior women's international tournament I just think that's something that needs to go in the history books. And I, I know that it will, but for the visibility and for those young girls, it's, it's kind of, it, it made me speechless. And I think that that shows where we're at with the game um, and, and the women's game, especially. And I hope that moments like this will actually push forward the men's game as well. Um, because I think there are areas of women's football that are, a little bit further ahead um, than than the men's game, and I hope that we can we can try and move that equality onwards as well. An incredibly powerful moment, as Laura uh, said there. Um, Jack, just to finish the show today, I'm going to come to you. Uh, we do have a listener question, and of course, we do always love them. So again, feel free to drop them whilst we're recording, or otherwise, whilst we're not recording as well, you can, you can get in touch with us on shows socials if you have any questions for the panel. Uh, this one from Holly. Uh, given the games we've seen so far, which team besides England? I love the optimism and positivity there because obviously the, the next bit of the question suggests that England have been superb. 
uh, do you think could be the ones to watch this week? Uh, much like all of us, I think very impressed by uh, Columbia last night is what Holly goes on to say, um, and that we can't rule anyone out. So again, much like we've said for much of the show, it is an extremely competitive competition, uh, competitive edition of the Women's World Cup. But Jack, in answer to that question, who who should we be keeping an eye on in the last round of, of group matches and probably for the remainder of the tournament as well? Yeah, I, I, first of all, I think agree with uh, Holly as well. It's uh, Caicedo's goal last night uh, and that Colombia win, I think has really, it's not only opened up that group, but it's put them forward as a team that can really go deep in this competition. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, the thing about these, these teams... Uh, People sometimes, I think in the women's game for a long time, it was so dominated by Europe and North America that it's easy to write off anyone else outside of the, those continents. Um, but the depth now is just different level. I mean, this is a Colombia side that pushed Brazil all the way in the Copa America. You know, they're, they're no mugs. Um, so we, we should almost be expecting this to be more of an open tournament as, it, as it's proving to be. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Definitely Colombia. Um, I've also been really impressed by Japan. I mean, it sounds perhaps... Uh, an obvious thing to say when they've just obliterated Spain earlier in the day, um, which I think was a result. I certainly didn't see the result coming in that manner. But I think the way they've played, the speed and the directness and just the just the quickness of thought of some of their attacking players, I think is, is yeah, it, they, they've really impressed me so far. Um, like I say, I wasn't expecting them to, certainly wasn't expecting that result. I was actually travelling over to the stadium during the first half, when I saw the scoreline, I nearly jumped out my chair. I couldn't believe it. But they, they, they have been um, a top side. They always go strong in tournaments as well. Um, they, they, they always sort of seem to raise their game for, for World Cups and, and for Asian Cups. Um, so, yeah, they, they, I think they would, be, they would be, before the tournament, not many people would have seen them get into like the final four. But now, potentially that draw's opened up. And, and, and also, I think, not a team to watch so much, but I think, USA could potentially be at risk um, if they if they only qualify by going through second place in that group. That that could set up a meeting with with Japan potentially. So it's it's suddenly it's it's all become it's all become yeah just the seedings have gone out the window almost. And yeah, the US I think could be under real pressure. They play Portugal in their final game. Obviously, they're level on points at the moment with the Netherlands after after that draw the other day. Um, but I think Portugal. Could, could pose real problems for the, for the States. They, they've been awkward for everyone who's come up against them over the last sort of six to eight months. Um, they never give an easy game. And I think that combined with the fact that Netherlands could potentially not rack up a big score, but they could comfortably put some goals past Vietnam, um, boost their goal difference. I think, yeah, it, it's it's beautifully poised. I think that, that all the groups have, have given us something to go off um, and some intrigue to follow. So yeah, I, I would I would certainly look at Japan, but also who who would want to write off Colombia after that performance last night? That the sky's the limit for them, I think. Yeah, it all seems to be coming together quite nicely as we near the end of the group stages and into the knockouts. Just exactly what you want at any World Cup. Laura, Jack, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time as always. Uh, of course, you can keep up to date with all the latest uh, from the Women's World Cup across the Daily Mirror and, of course, reaches regional titles as well. Some brilliant stories there. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday to digest all of the talking points from England's hopefully win. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully we're talking about England going deeper into the tournament and we'll be digesting all the talking points from the game against China for sure on Wednesday. So be sure to look out for that one. But for now, it's goodbye. <laughs>